0: An increasing number of people with disabilities work, teach, learn, and visit OHSU. The Association of American Medical Colleges recently released a first-of-its-kind report that looks at the experiences of medical students and physicians with disabilities. It reveals the common barriers to inclusion and some of the promising institutional practices that are helping to inform and enhance efforts to reduce barriers. It's Tuesday, March 20th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Josh Anderson. Tracy Lamb sat down with Ian Jaquist and Jennifer Gossett to talk about the various ways that OHSU is working to reduce barriers for people with disabilities.
1: I'm here with Ian Jayquist, OHSU's Disability Awareness Trainer and Outreach Specialist. Hello. And Jennifer Gossett, Director of Student Access. Hello. Ian and Jennifer, thanks for joining me today. Why don't we start by having you explain your positions here at OHSU. Ian, let's start with you.
2: As my title says, I'm the Disability Awareness Trainer and Community Outreach Specialist. I have uh, two main jobs. I try to improve the communications to people with disabilities in an employment context to help make people with disabilities feel more comfortable and welcome to work at OHSU. And my other job is to help recruit people with disabilities to work at OHSU.
1: So you deal with employees, visitors, and patients?
2: Uh, I I do. I I try to help make this climate more inclusive for people with disabilities, primarily from a communications viewpoint.
1: And Jennifer, what does it mean to be the Director of Student Access? Yeah, so the
3: Director for Student Access
1: is a position that
3: I've been in for a little over a year, and it's the position designated at OHSU to review requests for reasonable accommodation from students across all OHSU academic programs.
1: Ian, how many requests for reasonable accommodations does the AAEO office receive?
2: On average, between 150 and 175 a year.
1: And how can people make a request? And is there a time frame for them to make such requests?
2: So the process can can be quite lengthy or sometimes quite easy, quite short, uh, depending on the the request, depending on the disability. So So the first part is that a person has to have a disability. So the reasonable accommodation is tied to the Americans with Disability Act, which the first President Bush enacted in 1991. So, so the idea is that if a, if a person uh, needs an accommodation to work here or to perform the essential functions of their job or to uh, access a service, a person requests a disability for uh, th- by uh, filling out a form that's available at the AEO website. And the process goes from there. It can be it can be quite short or could be quite involved, depending on the nature of the request and the nature of the disability.
1: And I know you can't talk specifics, but can you tell me, in general, what some of those reasonable accommodations requests might look like?
2: Sure. Uh, so it could be, uh, and I'm going to use the word easy, but it's not always easy. But a, a person may have a temporary disability and may need a temporary accommodation for parking so that they can park closer to their job site and to make the travel less. Sometimes the requests are for a standing desk frame or a, an ergonomic chair or an ergonomic keyboard, for example. Sometimes people request noise-canceling headphones. There are all types, of, all types of requests for accommodations, including possibly a different, uh, a different work schedule or more specific breaks, more, breaks related to more specific time periods. There are all types of, all types of requests.
1: Those are a pretty broad range. It
2: is a very, very broad range.
1: And Jennifer, how many students report having a disability, and how has that number changed through the years? Right now, we're seeing about 100,
3: hovering around 100 students here at OHSU who have successfully completed the accommodation request process. But we know that statistically, there's probably more students with disabilities than just 100.
1: And why is that? Are they not reporting it? Um, For a
3: variety of reasons. Maybe they don't know uh, what accommodations might be available to them or perhaps uh, they're nervous about entering in a process where they disclose a disability or they don't need accommodations. So they may have a condition that would constitute a disability but feel that they don't require any
1: academic accommodations. And how has that number changed through the years?
3: We've seen a steady increase over the years across the board, across academic institutions in the United States. Since about 2010, institutions have seen an increase in the population of students with disabilities at their schools.
1: And take us through the process when a student requests a reasonable accommodation. What does that look like?
3: So usually it begins either through a referral from the academic program or uh, the Student Health Center at OHSU, commonly referred to as JBT. They reach out to me. Uh, Typically, we either have a conversation over email, phone, or in person just discussing what the process looks like, discussing the confidentiality and those types of things. And if it's something that is a little bit more complex or nuanced, then sometimes I involve the program accommodation liaison, which is a designee in the academic program to work with me. So we talk about any potential modifications that might be more extensive.
1: And tell me a little bit more about the program accommodation liaison.
3: So they're great and wonderful people, very capable individuals and really positions within each of the academic programs that are people that kind of provide student support. And so they're the designee that help helps my office implement the accommodations because they're more familiar with the curriculum, the nature of the classes, the faculty, those types of things.
1: Now, the the new report by the Association of American Medical Colleges, among other things, recommends having ongoing professional development training for faculty and employees on how to communicate with and about people with disability. How is OHSU already providing training?
2: Well, I provide trainings to departments who request or, or uh, sometimes on an individual basis to help give um, uh, fellow employees a, a better way to communicate with people with disabilities depending on the nature of the disability. There's a, a tremendous amount of, I, I think, even even fear or misunderstanding about communicating with people with disabilities. The, the phrase people with disabilities first is related to the concept of people-first culture uh, and people-first communication. And OHSU and the state of Oregon are people-first uh, institutions, so we want to see the person, not the disability. So we see people with disabilities. I even make a joke in my training about people who ride bikes; they're people too. So we want to see, want to see the person first and get to know the person, not necessarily the disability. Uh, and, and it turns out if you can, if you can focus on getting to know the person, the idea that, uh, of disability will be less uh, impactful in your communication.
1: And how can people sign up for the for the training?
2: By contacting me, and then I can work with the schedule of the department or the schedule of the individual uh, to to make a to make a time work. I try to be as accommodating as possible, not just because of the disability related nature of my title.
1: Mm-hmm. Are, are there any costs associated with the trainings?
2: Uh, you generally have to sit through forty five to ninety minutes of my bad puns,
1: and that, then that's uh, the price of admission. Right? That
2: is that is the price of admission. <laughs> okay.
1: And Jennifer, one of the key takeaways of the AAMC report is that learners need clear policies around disabilities and need knowledgeable service providers, as well as a culture that lets them know that they are welcome. What are some of the ongoing initiatives or programs that are moving OHSU toward that?
3: Yeah, I think the Respect for All campaign certainly captures, you know, encouraging all forms of diversity at OHSU, including people with disabilities, so that's exciting. Some of the other things are just a really close connection between my office and my partners, including the program accommodation liaisons, uh, the Student Health Center, JBT, being included in all new student orientation programs. So I get to come to all new student orientations and present about services that are provided. In addition, there's a statement in each of the syllabi at OHSU encouraging students who need the support resources to come and talk to student access about accommodations. So I think those are some of the initiatives that have just been ongoing. Uh, In addition, you know, I've been doing a close partnership with the Teaching and Learning Center, providing training with faculty and outreach to academic programs about a variety of different disability access-related issues. So that's really exciting to have the Teaching and Learning Center at OHSU as a close partner of my office.
1: Ian, OHSU is also taking a proactive approach through a group called the Physical Access Committee, or PAC. What is the PAC, and what are some of its accomplishments?
2: So the Physical Access Committee, or PAC, as we like to call it, is a, a group of volunteers who get together regularly. And uh, help identify physical barriers that may impede a person's access to OHSU, to working here, to visiting here, to getting around campus. You can see successes from the pack all over campus. Uh, the ninth floor entrance from Sam Jackson Hall to the main hospital. The switchback ramp there is a, is a great success. The curve around. Uh, Sam Jackson Hall, where a person could come from the main hospital to get to Physician's Pavilion is another success. Uh, The entrance to CDRC, uh, I think our most recent biggest success probably uh, are the bathrooms at the old auditorium. Uh, The bathrooms have been there forever, but until recently, I think within the last 18 months, a person with a disability couldn't access those bathrooms because they're down a flight of stairs. And recently, the range of the elevator has been extended, downward to uh, make those to make accessing those bathrooms more possible
1: that makes perfect sense and and I've also seen a lot of the um, the automatic door openers is that also the work of the pack
2: the the the, we call those actuators we try to um, uh, find places where those would be most helpful to people with disabilities
1: now I know there are some issues that take time to resolve but the pack has been able to fix something quickly. Can you share that story with us?
2: Yeah, so, so the so sometimes projects take years uh, uh, through, uh, just because they're bigger, uh, of a bigger nature, and they need to get in line with the other projects that are being taken care of on, on campus. Sometimes the pack can act very quickly. A recent example was uh, in the Volum Institute. There were some doors that were quite heavy, so uh, upon investigation, quite heavy to open. Uh, so upon investigation, the doors weren't fire doors, so they didn't need to be uh, so heavy to open. So we lessened the, the pressure, the resistance of the doors to make them lighter and easier to use.
1: Part of the pack is to create a priority list. So what are some of the other issues that still need to be addressed?
2: So there are a few ramps on campus that are very steep. There are um, uh, ba- some bathrooms on some floors and some buildings that are inaccessible. There are some buildings that are inaccessible. We want people, uh, whether they're patients or visitors or employees or students, to be able to access the full range of OHSU's programs and services. Uh, we want pe- we want to be an inclusive work site uh, for people with disabilities. So if, if a person with a disability wants to work here, we want to make sure that they can.
1: Well, finally, I'm going to ask both of you to answer this question. Jennifer, we'll start with you. What can we do as a community to help remove barriers for people with disability?
3: That is a very big question and I could go on for hours on that, uh, and I won't do that today, but I think one of the biggest things that you can do is really learn about the civil rights laws, the Americans with Disabilities Act. There's a big disability rights movement as part of our history in America that a lot of folks aren't even aware of, and I think that that's important to know about. Um, So learning more about the disability rights movement and key people with disabilities that have fought for these rights, you know, from the very beginning of the civil rights movement. People with disabilities were a part of that, and it's not often taught in history classes. Um, Being more aware that disability is part of everyday life. It is not special accommodations, it's not special education, it's part of our diversity. And disability is the largest minority group in the United States. So that's one thing to keep in mind, is that disability touches all of us. We're all working with people with disabilities, whether we know it or not.
1: Ian, what can we do as a community to help remove barriers for people with disability?
2: It's been my experience as a person with a disability. So I'm a person with a disability for 49 years. And what I have uh, learned through my travels is that people without disabilities are reluctant to talk to people with disabilities uh, because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And I think that that's very normal. If we were to step back and and look at this, what we would find is that 20% of the population of the world has a disability. Not all disabilities are obvious. In fact, most disabilities are hidden or invisible. So we're talking to people with disabilities all the time and we just don't know it. So if you have if you're reluctant to talk to somebody with an obvious disability, you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, know that you have a lot of experience in talking to people with disabilities because you're doing it all the time. You just don't know who they are. What we find in a, from a hiring perspective, from a deployment perspective, there's a reluctance by employers to hire people with disabilities because they're afraid they're going to change the culture. they and, and they're afraid that that change is going to be negative. It's going to be expensive, it's They're going to have to move things. They're going to have to do things a different way. None of that is true. And I think if we shift the focus from uh, being afraid of what people with disabilities are going to require and look instead at what people with disabilities might bring to our workforce in a positive way, then I think we'll overcome that reluctance to hire people with disabilities.
1: Thank you, Ian and Jennifer, for being here today to talk to us about the important work of providing access to all employees, students, and the public. Thank you.
0: Thank you. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced and edited by Tracy Lamb and myself. I'm Josh Anderson. See you next week.